stay tuned for the Renewable Energy Hour. Sunshine when she's gone It's not warm when she's away Ain't no sunshine when she's gone And she's always gone too long Anytime she goes away I'm Doug Livingston, and this is the Renewable Energy Hour, and with me as, as always of late. God, what's it been now, Alex? Three two years. years. Two years. Um, yeah, yeah. Alex Aragon joining me via electrons and photons. Um, welcome to the Renewable Energy Hour. Uh, tonight we thought we would talk about, you know, our change in political perspective to some degree, and maybe another topic added on on the end. Uh, and that's, you know, what's going on in politics in the U.S. and what the new administration might mean. Alex, you had some thoughts to start us off. Ah. Ah. We're both in a bit of an exhausted brain fog, so forgive us. Oh, I'm not so much the awe of the brain fog, I'm like the awe of the relief. Oh, the awe of the relief of, uh, of the, the T-Rump era coming to an end. Oh my gosh! Yes, this uh, this administration change is that we're having this regime change. Oh my gosh, we we've been in a war against the environment, is what it feels like. I mean, oh God, was, the very the very first uh, change in government policy that he issued was to allow uh, coal plants to dump coal ash into local streams. Yeah, there's a Washington Post article I was reading that said that uh, these. Um, Rolled back more than 125 environmental safeguards since he's been in. And, uh, you know, a lot of those are like individual policies, little things like, uh, you know, appliance efficiency standards. Uh, at one point, he was like attacking the Energy Star uh, setup. I don't remember what happened with that, but it was it was about to go away, but somebody saved it. Thought it was a worthwhile program. Oh, did you see any of his speeches where he was, you know, talking about how he saved. Uh Housewives, because now dishwashers can use more water. Oh yeah, yeah, right, right. right. <laughs> this is the guy who was complaining about toilets too, how they needed to have like fourteen flushes. <laughs> Dude, there's something wrong with your diet. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. I'm not saying he was lying in that case, but not is, is it is it dump Trump or Trump dump? 
Oh, Lordy. I want to think about that. <laughs> Just not in the White House anymore, please. Oh, but this this guy, though, you know, I mean... Oh, wait a minute. There's an eviction moratorium still in effect. Oh, well, that's all right. He has other places to go. Uh, I, I still think that he's going to go to Moscow with Air Force One and not come back before the inauguration day. But, uh, yeah, old, old uh, Trump, you put... Rick Perry. Rick Perry was his uh, energy his secret- secretary of energy from 2017 to 2019, and just you know who was that? That was the governor of Texas. Uh, you know somebody who's into the oil industry and such. That's that's who we put in charge of uh, you know energy. Uh, you know a lot of our renewables and stuff. You know that's all determined by you know, policies that come through the energy department. Uh, so this was a guy who was pro uh, pro. You know, uh, oil, yeah, oil and gas, yeah. yeah. So, oh, heck, you know, the if it weren't for the profitability and the feasibility of doing renewable energy, would have had a lot of troubles. But as it turned out, especially over this last year with COVID shutdowns and such, uh, most of the new development of energy has been uh, coming in through renewables, through uh, solar and such. They haven't been building new, uh, oh, petroleum. essentially all of it. Essentially all of it, yeah. Yeah, it was, there was virtually no new fossil... F- I, I think there may not have been any new fossil fuel plants in the past three quarters. Yeah, well, I guess there was a glut when people quit driving. Yeah, well, I'm <laughs> thinking in terms of electricity, but yeah. Uh, well, we need to ramp up the electricity to be able to offset the driving with electric vehicles, and that's another policy we'll talk about. Yeah, instead of it just being some crazy California thing. <laughs> We've got, uh, I was reading about uh, some of Trump's um, picks for his cabinet. I guess a lot of them are going to come from uh, California. Uh, Javier Becerra, among other people, is going to be part of the new administration. He's going to pick it up several different uh, several different people who are part of California politics. Um, but uh, I think the main thing, though, one of the main things is, you know, really driving this big change is going to be the difference in in opinions of what people are willing to look at. Not just opinions, but you know, the opinions of the people who are in power. Uh, you know, your attitude and how you approach all this stuff makes the biggest difference in the world. After uh, Rick Perry was out, you know, he was he was definitely a, a anti climate science guy. But uh, then he had uh, Dan Brouletti, uh, Brouletti, I think is. Brulette, I don't know. Anyway, but uh, he was uh, the uh, deputy uh, energy secretary under Rick Perry. But some of his quotes are that we have a lot to learn about what causes changes in climate. We're not really there yet. No one knows. We don't know. Uh, well, what we know is inaccurate and misleading. Um, taking a yeah. they're they're taking a playbook from the uh, from the uh, the tobacco producers from twenty years ago. Yeah, the just deny, keep, deny, just, deny. well, not even deny. It's you know, put a little bit of doubt out there. Obfuscate, right? And just make it so we don't know for make sure. Make it so it's not clear. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, so now uh, uh, Biden, he hasn't, like I said, he hasn't uh, announced his uh, energy secretary yet, but he has put John Kerry in charge as a climate envoy. He's calling him his climate czar. And he's uh, going to be working toward getting us back in the Paris uh, climate climate accord. 
Oh, shoot, working toward, uh, he said he was going to do that on day one. And there's no nothing holding him back from that. He doesn't need the Senate or anybody. Huh. <laughs> um, but, <sighs> yeah, they're, well, they're, they're, he can basically undo all of Trump's executive orders. Uh, and since very little legislation actually changed under Trump, um, an awful lot of the stuff that the damage he did on the fronts that we're focused on and a lot of other fronts can be undone with a similar executive order. Of course, the problem is that it can be undone for eight years from now with another executive order from a different administration. Uh, so I'm hoping at some point we can get some actual legislation, but that that's the tougher challenge. Yeah, once again, this is another thing that's really heavily hinging on what happens in Georgia uh, over the Senate elections. Um, you know, what, what happens with that is just hugely important. That depends. That's going to determine, uh, you know, what uh, what what the purse is, what what monies are available to do different types of programs and you know to implement different uh, policies, changes, and such. Yeah, I uh, don't. I don't have a lot of faith on that. One of those two elections, the reason that. It, that a majority was not reached was because there were two Republicans running against yeah. one Democrat. And my guess is most of the Republican votes from the the minor Republican will go toward the major Republican and and that will be enough so that they'll have one vote in the Senate. Uh, but another hopeful thought, though, is uh, that constitutionally it's... It's pretty clear that Kamala Harris could come in and run the Senate. Yeah. Which is something most vice presidents have declined to do over the years and, and leave it up to Senate rules on what to do in the absence of the vice president. But the vice president so, is the president of the Senate, according to the Constitution. And and so, to some degree, I mean, if if that did not get challenged and lose in the Supreme Court... Uh, she could, you know, control what bills come to the floor, and at least the Republicans would have to vote them down. Right now, uh, Moscow Mitch just, you know, doesn't bring anything to the floor that passes in the House. So you're saying that even if the Republicans were to hold the majority in the Senate, that it's possible for the vice president, in this case uh, Kamala Harris, to to run the Senate? To run the Senate. Yeah, no, she, no she, it would still be, you know... 5149 or whatever it is and and you know unless there was a defector from the republicans uh she wouldn't have control over what passed or not but she would she could at least you know bring to the floor votes on ah. on whatever bill she wanted to put forth just like just like McConnell has been not allowing votes on anything not even allowing it to get to the floor so well, here's another ah uh. <laughs> Yeah, it'd be great to have have that uh, the way to determine what was going to be talked about or considered. Even well, there's there's some ambiguity because the Constitution also says the Senate gets to make its own rules. Right. So how do we interpret President of the Senate? Because the Constitution, as in many other things, is a little vague. Yeah. Well, I'm sure it'll uh, it'll be up in the Supreme Court somewhere. Who's <laughs> going to determine what's happening with all these different new rules we're looking at? Oh man, things have just changed so much over the last few years. Uh, let's let's hope it let's hope it's a pendulum that swings back another way for a while and gets uh, 
gets the United States back interested in the Earth. Well, uh, um, you know, there's still a chance that the, that the uh, Georgia machine might get out enough uh, votes to to take both of those races, in which case then we can really move. Um, and, and, and maybe all of Trump's, uh, you know, the elections rigged, the elections rigged will have a significant number of rural, low-information Georgian voters decide that, that their vote doesn't count and they don't go in in January. Yeah. Uh, that's great. Let, let him keep on shooting his mouth off for a while here. Huh? <laughs> don't vote. It's all just a scam. You don't want to go and bother your time voting, for God's sakes. Um. Yeah, so, uh, yeah, I was looking at some of the different things that people, why, why people are avoiding, uh, you know, considering the climate. Of course, there's the money thing, all the different business interests, you know, for petroleum and such. They already have the tendrils into politics. Uh, they don't want things to change. Big time. Um, yeah, so when we're looking at all the different jobs and such that can be created by something like the Green New Deal or just by focusing on manufacturing of, uh, yeah, look, uh, in, in the country, you know, U.S. manufacturing of uh, renewable energy products and such. And, and uh, even uh, even just installing them, installing, yeah. you know, EV charging stations. And uh, uh, actually, uh, I saw a fascinating uh, article this morning that uh, Massachusetts is uh, working on uh, neighborhood-wide uh, ground source heat pumps, what some people call geothermal neighborhood heat pumps. Wow. Uh, yeah, so th so that they can afford to go, you know, five hundred feet underground and set up a big loop that that uh, does everybody. The problem with ground source heat pumps, these are for those of you who don't understand this or know this concept, it's basically like an air conditioner or a heat pump that you know traditionally always tried to steal heat out of your 80 degree indoor air to cool you down and pump it into the 105 degree heat of outdoor air that's hard to do and vice versa to to steal heat out of your 20 degree outdoor air and pump it into your 68 degree indoor air that's hard to do too but when you can go down underground where the temperatures are, you know, more stable, 50, 60 degrees, uh, it's way more efficient. And uh, most of the heat being moved is not coming from an external source. The external source is just the electric motor that's running the heat pump that's moving the heat from one place to another. And when you can do it from less extreme temperatures, it's way more efficient. And in, and in general, this has been too pricey to consider unless you've got a really extreme climate that needs both heating and cooling. Um, but but they're looking at doing it on you know larger community scales, and they're they're doing trials on at larger community scales. And the way I got into this thought was that an awful lot of the skills and needed to do that sort of thing are things that the gas companies already know how to do. So yeah. it's a great way to save those gas company jobs doing doing something that's essentially reducing the need for natural gas. 
Yeah, okay, that makes sense. And and God, the statistics on you know how many people were employed in you know installing solar versus how many people were employed in natural gas and coal and oil extraction. Solar and wind already dwarfed them in the U.S. And we yeah. could we could ramp it up and ramp it up, and that's you know, I think you know one of Biden's hopes in terms of the economic recovery is to do those sorts of things. Problem is, we need some legislation to do a lot of them. Yeah, I wonder uh, wonder how much manufacturing is going to be able to switch back to the United States for this sort of stuff. Yeah, you know, it's, a, it's kind of a kind of a sore issue there because you know a lot of times the uh, it's cheaper to manufacture overseas not just because labor is cheaper but also because you know they don't put so many uh regulations on mm-hmm. their manufacturing yeah so uh, what does it take to keep the the production domestic is it tariffs or you know just special rules that says you have to do this that and the other thing and you know protect uh, the environment in this way in order to be able to sell into our market it's all kinds of different questions like that um, well there, there, there are a couple things that are going on on those trending fronts. Uh, you know, for example, in China, the the standard of living has come up so much in the past twenty years that uh, that they demand real wages now, and they're starting to demand environmental controls. And and so uh, China's not as competitive as it used to be, which is why you know they're moving from China to. Vietnam and and other places of even lower labor and environmental controls. Right. But, uh, yeah, it's not fair trade. It's free trade. Free trade, right? <laughs> yeah, it's, I've been talking to some of my libertarian friends who, you know, the type that uh, they just want all regulation set aside as much as possible and let business do it and they're looking at it oh well of course you know business will uh, will wind up doing the right thing because consumers will uh, be selective about what they want to support and all that kind of stuff and you yeah know. I, I don't believe in that unless it's a truly free market and a truly free market is impossible so there's got to be some regulations that, um, yeah. you know, un- unrestrained capitalism is destined to crash and burn. Yeah, some somebody was complaining about regulations. I pointed out to them, uh, you know, the more people there are, and the closer we live together, the more rules there has to be. Like for instance, in town, not everybody can have a well and a septic system. You know, there has to be has to be something set up where you know, if you have all these small lots, <laughs> they do in Boonville and ask them how that's going. Yeah, troubles. I imagine huh? <laughs> it's a problem. Yes. It's third world fecal coliform levels in everybody's water for some 200 houses in a concentrated area of the Anderson Valley. So, oh my gosh, we have to have government regulation come in and tell people what they have what they have to do on their own private property, right? That's just such a horrible thing. And then we have to like force them to pay somebody else to take care of that stuff. And you have to you have to force them to wear masks. Yeah, and if the government winds up uh, having anything to do with it, then it's a fascist, you know. God forbid we actually have to stop at a stop sign. Oh, lordy. (laughs) (laughs) The nanny state. Well, the nanny state does indeed put up the stop signs, um, and it's a good thing. Traffic lights, stop signs, 
Speed limit signs. Speed limit signs, lines on the road, rules that you're not supposed to be driving on the left side of the road are all very reasonable losses of our personal freedom. Little little things like, oh, no, you can't pour your motor oil down the storm drain. Little things like that, you know, little inconveniences that are just so controlling. Ugh. Well, but I I do have some sympathy for for some of the libertarian perspectives because an awful lot of government regulations just do get over the top in minutia of crap that oh, yeah. you know that takes you know ten times longer than should take to deal with and and are 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 unreasonable. Um, so you know we we've got to keep the government in line for only allowing reasonable regulations and and i'll sympathize a little with the libertarians on that front but but taken to the extreme that i've heard in the past 20 years is is pretty silly another thing i would say is that a lot of the ways that uh different rules and regulations have been implemented has been real piecemeal you know through different uh different uh you know different uh laws and rules and regulations and put in all you hear there and everywhere trying to track uh, what you need to know. I mean, if, if you're a business trying to set up manufacturing somewhere, it's you know really really tough to like come into compliance with all the different laws. You have to hire specialists just to make sure that you are uh, you know able to keep up. So, it really, could be nice to have some sort of a cleaning out of uh, systems and kind of have everything put back together lovingly with a uh, with uh, put back to, put back together is a key phrase. You know, Trump's mantra was "Let's get rid of as many regulations as possible." Yeah, it might actually have created some groundwork or some you know background here now or some things can be put back together. I don't know. It sounds like he's leaving little booby traps in a lot of legislation as he leaves office, though. So I'm really wondering wondering what that's going to look like for people. Like, uh, what was it? The, the selling of uh, contracts in the in the uh, wildlife preserves and stuff in the north? You're speaking about that. Yeah, well, yeah he's, he's, he's opened it up and is trying to sell off con- uh, oil drilling leases in the What's it? The Anwar, uh, uh, North Slope Arctic uh, Wildlife Preserve. Uh, so if he if he puts out those leases, they go to wherever they are. And basically, they're they're held in, in for the right. Once the government signed a contract on that lease, it's it's hard for the next administration to to back down. And he's been doing all kinds of crazy stuff on his way out. Not necessarily pertinent to the renewable energy hour, but yeah. But he's, he's, I wonder how many of those clauses he puts in are in perpetuity. Yeah. <laughs> Forever and ever. <laughs> um, well, shoot, we were already firing up somebody to call in. Do we dare open the, the line to callers and join the conversation this early? I'm up for it. You're up for it? All right, well... If if you want to join the conversation, got something to stick in, it's 895-2448, and let me get the right buttons pushed, and we'll take this first call. Hello, caller, you're on the Renewable Energy Hour. Hey, I appreciate your refreshing, uh, your show is always educational. Uh, it, it's um, not It's yeah. not just washing over in a gray, oblivious fog. I, I talk to a lot of people who just... Tell me, they have no idea what we're talking about. <laughs> well, then be an active listener, and if you're not sure, take notes, and then do your research and your due diligence afterwards. Mm-hmm. That being said, um, 
I think that it's uh, highly important to focus on what's going on on a federal level. Uh, however, here in the state of California, the Republican Party is fast-tracking the appointment of more appellate judges um, and uh, municipal court judges uh, because they held them back from allowing the Democrats to put those names forward to be affirmed. And they are, again, stacking the court here in California. How did they do um, that? I'm sorry? How did they do that? They didn't have a majority. Uh, uh, they are doing it because they have a majority on the committee. Huh. Interesting. Yes. Well, cer- um, certainly that's one painful place at the federal level that, you know, Trump's installed some 200 federal judges that 243 were, that were held back by Mitch McConnell throughout uh, Obama's era wouldn't let him come when, to a vote when when the former president was also disallowed to name a Supreme Court justice with the onus being it was too close to an election mm-hmm. and then we got you know 10 months Trump 10 months through, before an election uh, this this crazy uh, religious zealot uh, who's young I mean, Barrett will be on the Supreme Court for 35 years, perhaps. Mm-hmm. Who knows with modern medicine? Um, and so uh, when you think about the rule of law, all these appellate courts could undermine even constitutionality. Now, another thing that comes up that's very interesting these days is um, the CDC while uh, in control of sending out the vaccine, each state gets to decide how they will disseminate that vaccine. And um, that will, of course, we're probably not naive and smart enough to, to understand it's going to happen along socioeconomic lines. Um, and, uh, you know, I still find it fascinating that Pfizer went from a 90% success rate with their vaccine until Moderna came out and said, well, we're 95%. And then three days later, Pfizer said, well, we're 95% too. Oh, no, that, that's explainable. The 90% was on on uh, a partial sample. And uh, when, the, when the test was finally met its final criterion, it was 95%. And, in fact, the initial trials were causing neurological problems in a lot of the recipients. Mm, I don't um, know about that. Uh, I do know that, uh, that we have some indication that people who are, who are likely to be carriers of EpiPens should probably not take it. Oh, interesting. I, would, uh, they, I used to be had, highly allergic to bees, so that yeah. would put me in that. Yeah, the, the, you might want to consider it. The, the, they've had two cases of highly allergic people who had an allergic reaction in the first day of distribution in England. Well, I fall in the plant world from doctor's doctor, healer's deal. Yeah, I learned you, you, you better wait for that 76% uh, uh, vaccine to get approved. Hey, thanks for mixing up your program. We're, we're reaching the end of uh, what most would say is one of the most hectic years we've faced in a heck of a long time. And uh, I appreciate you keeping your show vibrant. Uh, Alex's uh, knowledge base is profound as well as your own. And uh, thanks for keeping us all educated. Hey, did you guys see the uh, Tesla drone show up last week? No. 
Uh, yeah. I got three friends telling me, man, I saw the weirdest thing in the sky. Are, are they uh, aimed at uh, at providing internet or something? These are the uh, low surveillance drones, uh, atmospheric drones that are about the size of a washing machine. Uh, Tesla's got a contract that said, I believe, 1,200 of them up there. They'll be the most powerful surveillance agents on Earth. And um, the things only have a two- to three-year lifespan, and then these washing machine satellites are going to plummeting to the Earth. And what, <laughs> what sort of surveillance are they doing? Their own private surveillance that they're going to sell the government and oh, other nefarious agents. Joy, joy, joy. Yeah. Go, Elon, go. And you can't even pronounce his kid's name. His kid's <laughs> name? Oh, it's like a bunch of digits and, and numerical symbols. Well, that harkens back to. to oh, I'm trying to think of uh, Frank, uh, the musician. Oh, Zappa. Zappa, thank you. Yeah, Moon Unit. <laughs> Moon Unit and Dweezil and Amit. And... Yeah, they're great kids. And Frank was an absolute genius who did not use drugs, contrary to popular opinion. Yep, no, uh, I knew that. Th hey, thanks th for the call. Yeah, we appreciate you guys. KZYX, send those dollars in, kids. All right, take care. Bye-bye. <clears throat> we had full lines there. Hello, caller. You're live on the air. Hello. Hello. Yeah, you can hear me then. Good. I can hear you. Yeah, no, uh, you're probably the one I tried to put on hold earlier. Uh, and when Maybe. You, when you go on hold, uh, you can hear us, but we can't hear you. I can't hear you guys at all. Oh, you're breaking up. Say that again. Oh. again. You, you got to hold that head just right because we're not hearing you. You're not hearing me at all? Oh, now I heard that sentence. Oh, good. Don't move. I'm out here in the middle of nowhere, so I'm not surprised I'm not getting great reception. Yeah, that, you're, you're coming through now. What's up? I've got a little device here I picked up from uh, uh, a store called Lion Energy Cub Go. Don't know. I'm trying to figure out, is that an inverter? That I could hook up to um, a solar panel? Uh, most inverters you can't hook up to a solar panel. Most inverters. This one actually has a little depiction on the cover of the box that shows that, which is what I thought was fascinating. There's no it. there's no battery? Proprietary? No battery in the picture? Tell me what it's called again. Nope. Say the name again. Alex will search on it. It's uh, by a company called Lion Energy. L Y O N or? That L-I-L-I-O-N. Lion Energy. Yeah. And it's called Cub Go. Cub Go. And does it have any claims? Oh, yeah. Here it is. All I see is that I can put it in. I can plug it into a wall and charge it, and it's been kind of convenient. But I swear there's a picture on the box that says I can plug it into a solar panel, and I'm just trying to find... Uh, if it's proprietary or if I can use another solar panel that I have on the property and just find maybe a, a plug-in There, there may adapter, be maybe a voltage work. spec or something that it's limited to. Alex, they, you they used... They've got several different products, it looks like, and uh, some of them are, uh, are just like emergency things. You'd plug into a wall and then they'd have power available afterward. But some of them do have uh, solar to them, too, so it really depends on the model that you have. So, and, and, and it sounds like it's mostly a battery. 
a battery, maybe with a little inverter. Yeah, yeah. a small That's battery, and small inverter. System. And so you can see it's got a little AC to DC converter. If you can plug it into the wall, and um, and it wouldn't surprise me if you could plug into a different port with a solar panel. Okay. Yeah. Cool. Yeah, you and, and definitely, definitely find your rotors manual and uh, definitely uh, peruse that for a while because each, like I said, each uh, device they have has different capabilities. So I can't speak to that without having the exact model and all that kind of stuff. It didn't yeah, come. I tried to look it up online because um, you know that's what it said in the box. It said you just have to get online and look it up, and I was like, I, I would have no luck finding any manuals or telling me anything about how to install or. Uh, attach. Well, does it uh, does it uh, say anything like a twelve volt solar panel or anything like that? Nope. No. Um, my guess is, well, it says on the back. It says the input. It says five volt two amp, and it lists two. Oh, like two ports. Two yeah. Ports. <laughs> so that's not a standard and solar. There's one here that says QC three point oh. I don't know what that means. QC three point oh. I'm not finding it right now. Well, and it's and, mod- and modified the, sine wave. That's the out. That's probably the output. Uh, the AC mm-hmm. output. Yeah, uh, yeah, it is. Um, that's what it says. And 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 that's probably 120 volts. But uh, but your specs on the solar input. Uh, that's not going to be a normal solar panel you're going to find around on your ranch. Yeah, so it looks like this is a handy little thing with USB outputs, so you can plug in your cell phones, stuff like that. It's got a small outlet, uh, electrical AC outlet that's probably be good for things like, oh, maybe a laptop for a little bit, maybe a phone charger, uh, maybe like a small string of lights or a radio, but nothing, nothing too big. And there's uh, no, there's no input for DC. Uh, the one I'm looking at now, no, it's you'd plug it into an AC outlet in order to charge it, and. Uh, Unless there's more details, I just can't see from what I'm looking at right here. So. On, your, on your quick look. Yeah. yeah that but, sounds like what you're, what you're talking about. Very accurate description of the solar unit. Yeah. yeah it probably does come with a solar panel, but it's proprietary. Oh, no, that's actually... You can find solar panels like that, but they're made for, you know... Trickle charging your car, or uh, okay. you know, running okay. a, an elect uh, some low voltage electric fence charger, or something like that. Um, but but your five volts is is very unusual for the sort of solar panel you'd find around on the ranch these days. Yeah, okay. this it is a lithium battery though, so it, it really will be able to charge and discharge many many times over its life theoretically. So that's cool. It's better than the old lead acid stuff we had, which would last two or three years, maybe. <laughs> yeah, I'd keep I'd keep looking online and and find out what the what the specs on the solar panel because actually I think the specs you gave me were probably the USB charging output and not the solar input. It's hard to say. The uh, USB. Yeah, you might be right. But you know that's what the, it's interesting. Like I said, it has a picture of a, of a solar panel with a line going right to one of these, and and what it says on the on the device that I'm looking at, it says output. So I don't get that. Why would it? Why would you plug into an output? Yeah, yeah, that 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 <laughs> something's wrong with this picture. You better do some more yeah. homework. Okay. Yep. Thank you guys. I hey, love your show. Thanks for the call. Hello, caller. You're live on the air. 
Hey, Doug, this is Dave. Hey, Dave. I want to bounce an idea off you guys that I was thinking about, um, and that's the hydrogen business. Oh, man, I have hopes for the hydrogen business. That's one way to put in tons more solar than we need at any one point and be able to use the hydrogen elsewhere. What's your idea? Yes, my idea, well, since it's 80% efficient with electrolysis. Oh, it's not it's that not. efficient with electrolysis. Where'd you get that? Off the web. That's my site. Oh, no, it's it's nowhere near that efficient. you you got to be using... Uh, Proton exchange membranes to get anywhere near that sort of number. Well, um, I will uh, look it up and we can talk about it tomorrow. However, here's the idea: um, the biggest problems with it is you you know you got to pressurize it to high pressures to carry it anywhere. It leaks out about uh, out of about anything, and uh, it causes what steel to get brittle. Yep. Yep. And and. Uh, so why pressurize it at all? You could uh, make it at the windmills or at the solar farm, and um, just put in a big bag at you know air regular air pressure. Yeah, yeah. And, and, it'd and be then, it'd be huge. You know, it'd be like those giant gas storage silos and things. Yeah, yeah. And um, and the power lines are already there. So when the wind stops or the sun goes down, um, fire up one of these new um, turbines, turbines that will run off of straight hydrogen and or with a little bit of natural gas. Yeah, just, well, they're, know, they're, already, out the lines. they're already running tests on that uh, with, you know, starting to mix natural gas and hydrogen in, uh, in some experiments in Ohio, and they're looking toward going pure hydrogen, although they're going to have to modify their turbines to avoid that steel brittling, etc., although uh, there are lots of alloys available. Um, but, but the issue here is that we want to get more solar and wind online than we might need at any point in time so that we have enough at other points in time. And, well, you got to do that for batteries if you're going to yep. charge up batteries. Well, and and that's uh, to, to me that seems like it's a cheaper way to go uh, and more environmentally friendly than having massive amounts of batteries all across the continent. Um, and and much cheaper way to go. Um, and and I'm sorry, I heard your name as Dave at first, but I finally no, I, rec- I finally recognized the voice. <laughs> <laughs> Um, yeah, no, it, it, the way hydrogen escapes is problematic. Um, and, uh, and it's not just because it's under high pressure. It's, uh, they, they put it under high pressure because it's such a low-density fuel that in order to get any serious you know, energy density and storage that you can carry around with you, they want to compress it to you know, 1,000 pounds, 1,000 PSI and things plus. Um, and it gets way even. And that takes energy to do that, too. That does take energy to do that. And uh, and it also well, gets out more. But it does want to escape even under low pressure just because it's such a tiny molecule and it's such a speedy molecule. It has, you know, essentially the same kinetic energy as the big molecules. And since it has hardly any mass, all that kinetic energy is in speed. So it's a really speedy molecule and a really small molecule. So it is hard to, to keep trapped. 
Um, well, I would say on a day and night cycle, um, and because it is under lower, no pressure, it, it um, might work. Yeah. And also there are some uh, turbines now that are running on pure hydrogen. Yeah, yeah, they're, they're, they're experimental. They're, they're starting to talk real scale uh, on some experiments in Ohio. Um, and and that excites me. Uh, yeah, I'm 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 as excited about that as I uh, as as Alex is about lithium ion batteries. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm sure they're making some big battery banks with those things now. They are making some big ones. I, I'm curious how the financials will work out. Um, yeah, but uh, yeah, I'm also curious how the financials will work out on the. On the hydrogen, but part of the problem that I'm seeing on the grid is that as we put more and more solar and wind on the grid, we're coming to times when there's no market for the power they're putting out because yeah, the, the grids the grids already met its needs and the solar you know is capable of putting out juice and they're being asked to shut down. And and as well, they that, won't have to shut down if they make hydrogen. That, that's what I'm saying. As, as that. Right? As that happens more and more, you're going to have less people investing unless there's somewhere for it to go when the grid is not demanding it, and that fixes the other. That fixes the other problem with solar is that you know the sun doesn't always shine, and if you've got you know a reserve in batteries or in pumped storage or in hydrogen storage, uh, you can come online with those reserves uh, when when the renewables aren't keeping up. And that's the way we can wean ourselves of the natural gas. Thank God we've already largely weaned ourselves of the coal. <laughs> the natural gas investors are going broke. <laughs> it's, it's, so. it's so cheap now. Although yeah. it's hard to compete with because it's so cheap. Yeah, but the investors aren't making much money. Yeah, you know, so uh, we're going to see less fracking because of that. I would suspect so. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but this was just, you know, some, um, the, what's nice about this idea of storing, you know, well, batteries might do the same thing, but, uh, but having uh, your, uh, you know, you ch charge something up, make hydrogen or batteries or it's right on the site of where it's made. And so the power lines are already there. You don't have to add that. Yeah. Yeah. No, that, it, that, I, it excites me. I'm with you. Okay. Well, I will check out about this electrolysis thing. Well, um, yeah. What the, what the efficiency and, is? I, I'm I'm thinking the efficiency is a lot lower than that. I'm, I'm, I'll have to sit down with you and and see what sites you found. And see. Remember, there's going to be round trip efficiency. Yeah. Too, maybe maybe you. Well, just the electrolysis itself isn't even that efficient i don't think but uh but round trip efficiency is what counts ultimately um and uh that means you make it in you make the energy into hydrogen and then you, then you, and then you extract the energy from the hydrogen back into electricity and and no that's you know probably 40 50 percent on the second stage um but i thought the first stage was down in that level too but we'll we'll sit down and look up some numbers yeah. Okay. Hey, thanks for the call. Okay, we'll talk to you later. <laughs> All right. Bye-bye. It's a small county. 
<laughs> Hello, Kali, you're live on the air. All right, I like this question about the sort of Ooh, can can you get can you get into a better position? You're you're echoing and gibbering and breaking up. Can you hear me now? Uh, a little bit better, maybe not good enough. Right. Another a better position. Keep talking. Uh, you're still trouble. Yeah. Well, at least I'm something. Trouble's better than nothing, I guess. Um, I can't understand you. You can't really. It's not bad. Well, I'm a selfish for I guess. Every now and then, I I understand something got, you say. Got some of that. <laughs> but but half of what you're saying, I'm not hearing. Not a better place for you to stand? Uh, well, I can try to move with three bars on my cell phone. Oh, that's so, bizarre. I heard you have three bars, but it's not working. Okay, you still can't hear me? Uh, not good enough for radio. I bet you half okay, the people listening can't understand. Okay, well, it looks like I'll try another time then. It's a very strange. It's it's not like it's a breaking up of signal. It's some sort of weird jitteriness. Really? Yeah. I didn't understand a thing you said right there. Really? It's not much worse, huh? I don't know. I I'm sorry. All right. <laughs> I I heard all right just fine. Okay. Well, now I'm at a different location. Here we go. Uh, not, not, not well you enough. I, I, can, I can tell you said, can you hear me now? Everything <laughs> Hey, I gotta let you go. Alright, bye. Bye-bye, sorry about that. Hello, Kyle, you're live on the air. Hey, solid copper wire, 100 feet of, 800 feet of farmer's line, how's that sound? That's pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> the next like three falls on it. The fire comes technology. Eighteen ninety, baby. Yeah, huh? Totally retro. What do you call it? Retro compatible. Well, you know, it's just like a lead acid battery. It's yeah, it's earlier than eighteen ninety. Yeah. <laughs> hey, I, I I've done electrolysis. I've done that uh, hydrogen thing with a little battery. Uh, by the time you make enough hydrogen to make it go poof with a lighter. <laughs> You've corroded the end off of uh, about an inch of uh, copper wire. Uh, oh, you don't have to use copper, but... Okay, you're supposed to have fancy electrodes. And well, and that's, that's what I was referencing. Fortune to build. Yeah, I was referencing on Steve. You have to down a mountain to uh, get to. Platinum, baby, platinum. Oh, yeah, mm -hmm. platinum. Oh, yeah. What, 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 did you see platinum today? Was it down 3,000 an ounce? Two thousand and ounce. Ouch. Ouch. Yeah. Anyway. You know, there's no amount of technology that's gonna uh, uh, um, outdo the population growth. No, that's that's uh, a favorite theme of several people I know. That if uh, okay, well, if we if we don't get our population growth down, we're we're no doomed. Free ride, the miracle free ride. All we gotta do is put some hydrogen in yeah. the bag. It'll be the size of your house, and it will <laughs> run out of power in about five well, minutes. I don't so, so are are you are you preaching that we shouldn't be doing anything? We shouldn't be trying any of these things, or should we be putting all of our energy into birth control? Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 All, all of our energy into birth control is going to be yeah, more effective than uh, birth control is terribly unpopular. But anyway, um, 
Well, you know, interesting things happen when when uh, standard of livings rise, birth rates plummet. Well, have you noticed that the the best thing that's happened to um, let's see, the worst thing that's happened to carbon production has been COVID. Yeah, yeah, it's been crazy that way. The worst, the, well, the worst, one. the worst thing that's happened to car- carbon production has been COVID. Yeah, in terms of how much carbon's going in the air, the worst thing has happened in the last uh, a while. Anyway, you know, the, COVID has caused more carbon to be emitted. No, the worst thing that's happened to carbon production, which is our goal, is to produce as much carbon as possible, right? In the air. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I'm being, okay. I'm uh, sorry. I'm losing you. Uh, no, not no, I follow. Yes, yes. yes. COVID, COVID, production in COVID, COVID, carbon production COVID so. caused our carbon emissions not to go up as fast as they would have otherwise. Yes, but they still went up. To be clear, yes. and and uh, you know when you take into the equation things like burning five million acres in California, uh, there was a lot of carbon released in that too. Um, but that, it wasn't million-year-old carbon. Uh, no, some of it was only thousand-year-old carbon. Yeah, uh, you know it's just tragic. But um, <laughs> you know, it, if we're bur- how many hundred million, how many ten million years of carbon do we burn in a year anyway? You know, a lot, a lot. And then carbon's the question. The, the carbon we're burning was actually created in polar regions because it was so warm back. So if we were to equal the carbon that we were taking out of the ground and put it back in storage, we would have to have a North Pole that was running 50, 80 degrees, which we're, we're working on. We're working on it. So, we're working on it, yeah. You know. Unfortunately, almost all the carbon we put into the ground happened before funguses had evolved to break down lignans. <clears throat> lignans? The... The lignans, the lig, lignan, wait, well, yeah, yeah. <laughs> the dynamite part of uh, yeah. wood, uh, no, the burning the, part, the, the lignites. So, the, you know, well, there's the cellulose, which is is a uh, sort of a skeletal structure, and the lignans are uh, are a coating that that helps with flexibility in the plants. Um, oh, gotcha. And uh, mm-hmm. and and re- Isn't that some kind of coal uh, lignite. Lignite. lignite is a is a coal, yeah. Um, Four grade, right? I, I I hope I'm not using the wrong name. Uh, I thought it was lignin, um, but anyhow, there that that molecule that that trees needed in order to grow to their heights uh, in the carbonaceous era, there was no fungus that had an enzyme that could break that down, and so that's why all of that era all of that era's plant life ended up, you know, getting fossilized. And after that, we have had far less carbon taken out by our plants. Um, we can still do it in, in a shorter-term stage, and and just, you know, enriching our topsoil could, could fix the problem. Um, but we're not following farming practices that are enriching our topsoil. And now there's a new idea that we should take all the dead standing trees out of the forest and turn them into something else instead of letting them fall to the ground. Right. Yeah. Well, if they end up, you know, you know, in a, you know, 
building that survives for 300 years, that's actually a fairly valid argument. Um, but, uh, <laughs> but, but just rotting, uh, is much, much slower return to the atmosphere than burning. I was talking about returning to the soil. Uh, well, uh, eventually it gets back to the atmosphere, but, but to slow that down and to have more being deposited than is being released is, is actually a pretty successful, apparently, way of sequestering carbon. Uh, you will talk to the farming garden show or the mycologists or whatnot. Yeah, well, that's the whole beautiful thing, mycology and biology of the soil. But yeah, I yeah. Like, uh, well, I'm, that, that's uh, that's something that excites me too. All right. I'm such a geek. Me too. <laughs> Thanks for the call. Bye bye. We get such interesting phone calls on this show and this radio station in general. Oops. That one wasn't quite as interesting. Hello, caller. You're live on the air. All right. So, can you guys hear me okay? Yeah. Were you the one who was calling earlier with the jittery? Yeah, I was. You're I'm, way I'm you're maybe, way better now. What's happening? What What'd you do different? I'm a, I'm a quarter mile from where I was then. <laughs> <laughs> you must have been near some you know monster electronic thing. The way that was jittering. So what's up? God, I hope not. I was by my house. Okay, so I have a question about grid tide systems. Like uh, I put one on maybe 15 years ago. It was 74 BP 160s with four Sunny Boy 2500s. And you know the economics of that only worked because they had rebates mm-hmm. back at the time. Mm-hmm. And that was a 10 kW array with all that, the that was huge. Already applied. That was huge for the time. Yeah. So you know it worked pretty good. You know, but. Um, now I'm I'm in a different location, no longer have that one, and I'm thinking about putting one in. And I'm wondering if the 10kW cap is still there because we couldn't go over 10k. Oh, that that was just that was just to get the rebate that you were getting. Um, well, it had to do with being able to hook to PG&E under the set there, of rules. There are bigger we there are bigger there. restrictions when you go over 10k. Alex, you may be more familiar with this than I am. No, I'm not the sales guy. I'm mostly installation, so um, I, I know that. You know, there are some rules about that. I don't know what they are specifically, though. Um, yeah, talk to PG&E. Um, ask them. Oh, okay. I, didn't, I didn't think that, uh, that uh, you were limited to 10K. Uh, but right. you do have some extra, you do have some extra rules. Yeah, say I could put in a 10KW array today. It's totally different than when I was putting in 74 BP 160s. And, and, I mean, what am I likely to be putting in in today's world? Oh, I'd probably do a ground mount now instead of a roof mount, just because I didn't like the issues with them being difficult to clean and things getting underneath them. Yeah, and that's reasonable, and it's, you know, potential for roof leaks and things like that. If you've got room on the ground, it's not unreasonable at all to go on the ground. Uh, it's a little more parts and labor to install on the ground. Um, and keep in mind the 10k limit if if it really does still exist in a practical way um, is is on the inverters output rating not on the panels and, oh, okay. and, you, and you can and you can typically go you know 15 20 percent without any problem more yeah. rated PV wattage than the than the inverters rating so panels-wise, what kind of panels? I mean, you know, we have 60-cell, 72-cell. What are people putting in grid-tied? E- either. 
Uh, 60s are a little bit more common, uh, although there are 72s also. The advantage to doing 60 uh, cell modules is that the voltage isn't so high on each module. So when you're putting them together into a high voltage string, you can put more panels together uh, per string. You have to have another parallel string. So. I'm working on a okay. system right uh, today that I'm putting 14 panels into one string. So there's one positive, one negative, 14 panels. So in, it's really instead small of, wire. Instead of 11 or 12 to get the same voltage. Yeah. So what size panels are we talking about? Because we had like t- typical, 18 or 19 and or, or 20 and or in a string. 300, <laughs> 300 watts, 350 watts is getting common. Yeah. Okay. For a single panel. But it's, that's uh, on a like, bigger form factor, right? Yeah, they're bigger. They're bigger in area. Yeah. Not, so they're not long. double your 150 to get to 300, but they're close. Yeah. yeah. A lot of well, times that sounds really interesting. Any opinion on microinverters versus using, you know, the bigger inverters? Uh, the the mic. Uh, if you use the the string inverters, unlike what you did 15 years ago. Uh, for current firefighter protection rules, uh, you're going to have to install a little module-level device that when they shut down the power at your house to fight the fire, disconnects each panel. And the microinverters Wait. do that already. With, oh, well, that's an advantage of the microinverters. Yeah, but the string inverters now, you can do quite a few different string inverters that have... Uh, module level pieces of equipment that that take care of that for you that are much cheaper than microinverters it's actually fairly comparable cost the cost of the string inverter plus those module level controllers versus 24 microinverters we're in the last minute and a half oh yep we're about to run out of time okay did did uh well thank you guys did did that help oh that helped a lot yeah thanks all right hey thank you take care Wow, how time yeah, flies! I'm not at all opposed to doing microinverters anymore. Uh, been using N-phase very successfully lately, so yeah, no, I like, I like N-phase. Although I, I don't want to discourage people from using module-level DC optimizers with a string inverter either. They, they both work, and yeah. and both satisfy the newer uh, fire protection roles. Right. So uh, we'll be back in two weeks. What day? What day? When is that? What day? It's the is night that? before the night before Christmas. It's the twenty third. No way. Yeah. Oh my. I believe so. I have a dentist appointment on the twenty third. Oh, <laughs> what a way to spend the night before the night before Christmas. But uh, this has been the Renewable Energy Hour with Doug Livingston and Alex Aragon. We'll be back on the night before the night before Christmas. And- <laughs>